Hello and welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Peter Constantian, just Peter this week, and I'm uh, here with Allison and Mandy today. And so uh, I wonder if, Mandy, if you could introduce yourself and uh, let us know uh, the organization you work with and, and kind of what you're about and sure. what you hope for the golf tournament. Sure. I'm Mandy Haycox. I'm the executive director at Haywood Pathway Center. Um, been there about five years. And what we do is we work to feed the hungry, house the homeless, and reduce recidivism in Haywood County. So we provide meals um, and apt pathways and then also through our food truck called a cow. And we provide shelter for men, women, and families. And then we have peer supports who work in the jail. So our hope for the golf tournament is that we can raise some funds to help support those services, but also some awareness of what's going on in the community and how some of our neighbors are um, struggling and how people can help. And Allison, would you introduce yourself, talk about the community kitchen and what kind of your mission is here and, and what your hope is for the golf tournament? I'm Allison Jennings, a director of the community kitchen. Um, I've been the director for five years. Our mission is to spread the gospel with a hot meal. Um, our hopes for this year is to get our laundry and shower room, that is our goal um, for the homeless or anybody else that don't have water, and there's a lot of that right now. Um, and the golf tournament, uh, like Mandy said, um, to help um, fund our services. We also give food boxes um, three times a month. Um, we feed a meal five days a week. And our goal is to show people they're loved. So y'all have been doing the golf tournament together for a few years now. How long has it been? This is the third. third. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. Like, well, we think so. <laughs> yeah, we think so, yeah. It, it's one of your biggest fundraisers of the year. Is that, am I wrong about that? No, that's right. How has it been going as far as getting sponsorships and stuff this year? It's been a little bit slower than last year. I yeah, think the economy has been a piece of that. Okay. Um, we're still doing well. Yeah. Um, but I, it has been um, a challenge, I think, because I think all of us are a little bit more challenged uh, than we were last summer. Yeah. Um, is, it, um, is it too late to sign up still or for participants or donors? It is not. Mm -mm. Okay. Nope. And what information... Uh, can we offer to our listeners about how to do that? You can go to, if you want to play, um, we probably need to know by Friday, this Friday. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'll get this up today so we can get the word out. <laughs> you can go to Pathways website. Okay. Um, HaywoodPathwaysCenter.org and sign up there mm -hmm. to golf. If you want to sponsor. If you want to sponsor, um, just call one of just us. Just call one of us. Okay. But also, if um, they can also call me if they can't get on the website. Mm -hmm. A lot of the sponsors and the golf teams. Um, I think our our last count. What are we about fifteen thousand shy of last year? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we could get fifteen thousand in the next week, dollars will be good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's <laughs> so. a good goal. And the golf tournament date again is. September 9th. September 9th. Okay. Well, uh, I really hope that people will, will check out both of these organizations. 
but I would like to, I, I think what I enjoy about these, these podcasts is getting to know the folks that I'm interviewing a little bit more. And one of the questions that I, I usually start with, but I wanted to get that information you know, down first so we could talk about the golf tournament. But um, I like to know where people grew up and what was it like. And so, uh, Allison, do you remember the name of the street you grew up on? Yes. And so what was it and what was it like growing up there? 86 Scruggs Road. Where, where's uh, that? Oh, in Canton. Yeah, I'm local. Right. local. I've never left Canton. Yeah. Well, I moved to Waynesville once. <laughs> well, and then you moved back. And I quickly moved back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, did, it just didn't smell right over there, right? <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> so, so, so what was it like growing up on Scruggs Road? Well, um, we had a farm. Mm. We had pigs and chickens and guineas and cows and horses. Yeah. So, but as a female, I was not allowed to participate in that. That's a shame. Don't ask me why. Okay. Because I love animals. Yeah. Um, I grew up with uh, five siblings, four counting me. That was seven all the sin all. Mm-hmm. Um, stepbrothers and sisters. I was on a ball field all the time, so that's what life was for me. What kind of ball? Softball, basketball, track. The only thing I did not play was volleyball. Okay. Um, so we was on a ball field all the time. Mm-hmm. So In the neighborhood or for or at school? I didn't have a neighborhood. Right, because you're on a farm. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. So we didn't really have the riding the bikes on the streets. And we rode bikes on the hills. And <laughs> so this is this is helpful background information because that one thing that I've no, noticed about the community kitchen that I really like is how uh, when uh, when there's food that's going to waste, you put it out so farmers can come and pick it up is that something that was on your mind because you grew up on a farm you thought maybe or how did that start that's just something we've always done yeah from the beginning we tried to not waste yeah and it just and a lot of the farmers bring us if they kill their pigs they bring us the sausage hmm. uh, the chicken farmers bring us eggs yeah so it all gets rotated back here that's just awesome yeah, I'm a big advocate of trying to reduce food waste, and I think that's not the main goal of the community kitchen, but that is definitely one thing that y'all are doing because you're taking food that is donated that would have gone to waste, and first and foremost, providing a hot and delicious meal to people who um, enjoy and appreciate it. And then even if that food is going to go to waste, it, it doesn't. It goes to a farm for right. the most part. So. That's really cool. Our main goal is um, it's just not feeding. It's building relationships, and I think you, you've seen that. Yeah. Um, we like to get to know everybody and know their stories. Yeah. And build trust. Yeah. So that is one of my main goals. Yeah. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, but, Mandy, I wonder if you would share with us, if you remember what street you grew up on and what it was like growing up there. Well, it would depend on what year you were talking, because we moved a lot. Okay. So, um, I'm from Minnesota. 
Really? Mm -hmm. I'm from Minnesota. Oh, there you go. Okay, what part of Minnesota? North Branch. <laughs> it's a teeny tiny town about an hour north of the city. Okay, I'm from Rochester. Oh. So, southern, southern Minnesota, yeah. And cool. then we moved to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And I lived there when I was in elementary school. And then we moved back to Minnesota. And then we moved to Texas. And then I moved to North Carolina when I for graduate school. So just depends on yeah which time. <laughs> I have I have a friend uh, who went to college with me at Saint Olaf. I uh, looked at applying there, yeah. In Minnesota, yeah. and he's from Oklahoma, so we call him an Oklahoman. <laughs> But since I've since we have Minnesota in common, I wonder if you'd tell me what it was like growing up in Minnesota. Well, I was five when we moved, mm -hmm. so I don't remember a whole lot. Um, you know, there's lots of snow, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Very different from anywhere else we've ever lived. Yeah. Um, when we lived there, we lived out in the country, and it was lovely. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of trees, lots of trails in your backyard, and um, gardens and things like that. Very different from then moving to being in town in a neighborhood with all the kids riding bikes and playing on the dirt hills and you know all that sort of stuff so that was uh, that was the, in Oklahoma the Oklahoma experience mm -hmm. and then same for Texas so it was just kind of a weird combination of of experiences all together <laughs> yeah well you mentioned lots of snow and uh, I think where I really started to get um, more information about pathways was last year or the year before when when uh, the Canton churches were asked to to when cover some cold um, cold, cold shelter, grace, yeah, yeah. For families. Tell us more about that. Uh, well, that particular was before we got before we had a family dorm, so we were trying to figure out how to shelter. But um, we've always done cold gray shelter, Asheville. They call it code cold, code purple. Mm -hmm. um, so when it's thirty two degrees or below, which this past year was every single night of January. Yeah. Um, we open up our dining hall and put out 10 to 12 mats, whoever needs them. Um, and people can come in and just sleep overnight. So they're, you know, the sobriety requirements go away for that as long as someone's safe, you know? Yeah. Um, and we provide dinner and breakfast and a bag lunch to go. And so for the month of January, there, we, 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 I think it was like 130 nights of cold gray shelter this wow. past January. Because there were so many people coming in for so long. Wait, help me understand. There's only 30 nights in January. <laughs> there so are. That's how many people we had. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. 130 yeah. people, not per night, but total. 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 for the, Okay. Well, uh, one thing that I remember, and this is kind of embarrassing, but I don't think it's going to be a surprise to you, is that sometimes uh, while we were talking to our, our church members about... Um, possibly opening our doors and having cold, you know having this cold grace happen in our churches people had all these questions about who we were inviting in and everything and um, and you know there's some hesitation there like oh well you know what what if they what if they I mean all of the hypotheticals come out right uh, but it seems like both of you have uh, Perhaps a, a scriptural or perhaps just a personal heartfelt reason for why or how you get over the hypothetical questions of like, well, what if they steal? Or what if they're drunk? Or what if they're blah, blah, blah? And um, I'm going to read this scripture, which you suggested, Allison, uh, from Matthew 25. And then I, I wonder if you'd, you'd talk a little bit uh, about, you know, for you, 
what what is it that that get, helps you get past those hypothetical questions that um, of how things could go wrong. Um, so this is from Matthew chapter 25, which a lot of people are familiar with. And we're looking at verses 35 uh, through 40. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it, for one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. And this is a, a pretty well-known scripture and encourages, I think, us to see, uh, see our brothers and sisters, no matter what they're going through, as Christ. Um, I believe it was St. Benedict in his rule for monasteries. One of the rules is all guests are to be welcomed as Christ. And occasionally I thought about like putting that on like right above the door of my church just to remind people that there's a possibility for that, that in each person that you that you vi that visits here, like you could be encountering Christ. And I wonder how important is this verse to you, each of you, in terms of the work that you do and, you know, how what are other reasons why you you feel called to do the work that you do and, and how do you get over those hypothetical what could go wrong questions that that, co that come to you I can honestly say that those questions do not bother me and I do not think about those issues mm. I don't think about if somebody's going to come in here drunk mm -hmm. I don't think about if somebody's going to come in here high if it happens, it happens. Mm. We still show them love. They're still welcome. <laughs> we just have to deal with them a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it all comes back. We all, we all know that everything comes back to love. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I have to do. Yeah. Well, and I like what you said that, you know, you don't think about those things. You just you know, you greet the person, you know, I think with hypotheticals, you know, when we think we get stuck we, in the what, what ifs, yeah. um, we, we can create these false worlds mm -hmm. in which everything goes wrong, but God created this world that we're in. And, you know, if we spend our time worrying about what if something could happen, we'll miss the opportunity we might have in the other direction to have a positive interaction and maybe one in which we actually greet the risen Christ. How about you, Mandy? Like, what do you, 
I mean, I think this is why our organizations work so well together, because for me, um, I spent a lot of time and money in, in, in Divinity School, right? And all of that boiled down to, when it comes down to the end of the day, we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. We're all created by God. Yeah. So we're all the same, even in our differences. And that means that whoever walks through the door is worthy of attention yeah. and care and love. Um, and like Allison said, it's, I mean, you have to keep people safe also. But that doesn't mean you treat anybody poorly. Yeah. Um, so, And I think part of it is, too, just accepting the fact that sometimes those what-ifs are going to happen. Mm. So, I mean, if you're afraid of them, then you do the what-if cycle. Yeah. Um, if you just recognize that sometimes that is going to happen and there's all, you know, a million different reasons why they might happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone steals free from you and they steal 18 cans of food, maybe they're hungry. Yeah. You know, there's always a need behind the behavior. Yeah. Um, and so how do you address that and see, uh, and you, how do you see Jesus in every single person? And how do you, how do you look at them as Jesus would? Yeah. And I think that that's part of why we work together because we're trying, we're both trying to do the same thing. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people who, who haven't had that. Yeah. And they need, we all need that. Yeah. You know, I think a, a really good um, antidote to the what ifs is real world examples. Mm-hmm. When we can say, this is an experience that I had. And I want to invite either of you if, you, if you have an example of either when one of those what-ifs did happen. Someone came in drunk or high or whatever, and how, you, how the situation played out, how it was resolved. Or, on the other hand, do you have a story that you could share about a moment where you felt like you were encountering Christ in, 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 in welcoming somebody, that you, you had that experience of awe or, or, or like, you know, overwhelmed by like the holiness of the moment? If you could think of any of those examples, I'd love to to try to share that because I think oftentimes when people don't have experience, that's when they start to go into these hypotheticals because they don't know what to expect. And, and I think maybe hearing your experiences could be helpful in terms of um, helping Christians who will be listening to our podcast, you know, just kind of live a day in your shoes. Mm-hmm. You have one off the top of your head. I have uh, a couple of circumstances that's happened that could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could go back to the old building because this is one of my. It could be a dumb moment, mm. <laughs> but <laughs> um, we had a guy that was drunk out in our parking lot out. He was actually in our pig food. Mm. So I go out there and I sit down and I shake him. I said, what are you doing? And he shook around and got up. Hmm. And that moment we built a relationship Hmm. because I wasn't afraid of him. I wasn't judging him. I sit out there, talk to him. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have to call the police. Because, but by the time of the conversation, we was getting married, and he was in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> he was asleep so, in the pig food? He was drunk, passed out in the mm. pig food. This reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son, mm-hmm. almost so, identically. But but to this day, yeah. 
we have a relationship just because I showed him that there was somebody there that cared for him. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that's one instant. And you saw him as a person and not yeah. as a problem. But then the cops got there and said, Allison, do you know who this is? I said, no, I don't know who it is. Do you know he could stab you in a heartbeat and not think nothing about it? And I'm like, mm. that ain't the way I see things. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we have another circumstance that, or incident. This was just a few weeks ago. There was a big fight broke out in the parking lot. I mean, and that makes the teens nervous, mm-hmm. and I understand that. Yeah. Um, and it's not their place to go out. So I went out and had to break that fight up. But now they are nothing but respectful, nice, and it, it just it takes sternness sometimes. Yeah. To let them know that they are loved and cared for, but you know stuff like that can't happen. Yeah. You know, so that's my circumstances on the questions. On yeah, I've noticed that you are good at, at sort of laying down the law and, and, and using that sternness if necessary. And it's a hard thing for me because I'm like a peacemaker and I want everyone <laughs> to just do what they want to do. But I can see that now and it's definitely like a growing edge for me because there's a way in which, you know, r- rules and knowing that you've got somebody who's willing to enforce them makes everybody feel safer. But knowing I still care for them, yeah. that's the big thing. You can't. Can, that's not successful without the relationship. No, I can, and that's how. That's why we build relationships before anything else. Yeah. Because the ones that can cause trouble, they know mm-hmm. I still care for them, but they might be bad. Yeah. You know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mandy, do you have any stories you want to share with us? I mean, sure. Um. I think one of the things that, um, so I've worked in shelters for 15 years at this point, and one of the things that has always struck me is how many times it takes some people hmm. um, to come and go and come and go and come and go before they're able to find um, peace enough or the resources enough to find their own place again and, and function, right? Mm-hmm. So just this week, actually, one of the guys who's, I mean, he's been coming around the shelter since I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at him on paper, he threatened to blow up a federal building. So he's got an arson charge from like the 80s, you know. Um, and you just look at it on paper and in his record, you'd be like, oh, we're not touching him because he's going to, you know, fall This guy's us, scary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but then you see him. And he uh, is late 50s, and, and is, he looks like he's in his 70s. Mm. And he is hilarious, and he's from here, and he tells stories, and he just will talk to anybody about anything for a long time. Um, but he's also got a lot of demons, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he's great when he's sober, and then when he's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is not okay. Yeah. And so he's, just this week, has been able to move into housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he called. And he said, I mean, we've banned him and unbanned him several times over the last five years. Um, but he called and he said, uh, thank you for helping me get here. Please tell Mandy I appreciate her putting up with all of my crap. <laughs> um, and that he was going to guard this place with his life. Wow. Um, and so I think, 
you know, and there's lots of examples of that. We've had, we had one woman who'd been homeless for 10 years and she would come and stay for a couple days and then she'd leave and then she'd come and stay for a, a month and then she'd leave and then she, you know, this went on for four years. Mm-hmm. She finally moved into housing. She would always leave us to go with a guy and then something tragic would happen that would build up on her trauma and it would just be this cycle. She yeah. finally moved into her own place. She's been there ever since. Wow. And she's okay. So yeah. it's like, you know, I think part of it is sticking with people through the good and the bad because if we've had many people leave us for whatever reason and then when they need help, they show up. Mm-hmm. So there was one there was one girl a few weeks ago who's been on and off again for three or four years. And mm-hmm. she showed up, she had left, she was using and she came back and she found our staff. She wasn't staying with us at the time and said, I need you to please call 911 for me so that I don't hurt myself. Wow. But of all the places she could have gone, she came back because she knew that we would help her. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we try to function from three kind of foundational principles for staff, which for me are all based on biblical principles. So, uh, you know, love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter who Those it is or ones. how hard they are <laughs> yeah. or annoying. Um, and then uh, to do no harm. We've all had enough harm done. Mm-hmm. And then to kindly uphold standards of accountability while maintaining everybody's dignity. Mm. Um, and so we try to operate from that basis. That's the that's the rules. Mm-hmm. That's kind that's of the staff rules, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's really um, that's really helpful because I think what your stories revealed to me is that we can't um, we can't boil people down to just specific what ifs or hypotheticals. You know, these are complicated. We're all complicated people. And we all have good days and bad days. And what I see in both of you um, is a commitment to continue to see people as people, as full human beings, images of God that are complicated and sometimes difficult, Mm -hmm. but not... um, uh, but but still worthy of love and still worthy of of grace. Yeah. So let me ask the second half of my question a little bit more directly. Where where have you seen Christ in your ministry work, in the work of the organizations that you serve? Where does Christ show up? I would like to say he shows up every night during devotion, mm. but <clears throat> that would be the team's responsibility mm. to show that Christ, mm-hmm. or to show Christ to the people. And that's another aspect um, that each team is required to do a devotion, mm-hmm. but there's some who are afraid to do devotions. Mm. So, and we like to make it. Like, this is the community's ministry outside the walls of church. Yeah. So, and there is plenty of times that Christ is shown well, you, during, during dinner. But also, I know he was shown during our flood issue. Mm. We, all, we all know that. Um, he just, like, took over, <laughs> showed out, yep. <laughs> and brought us back. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's difficult with some of the people, but, you know, that's such as. Um, I would like to think Christ shows up every day in some aspect. Mm. 
Yeah. Whether it's little, big yeah. moments during the day. Yeah. Just when I'm here by myself, mm-hmm. we have our time. That's my favorite time. Just <laughs> <laughs> being here by quiet. myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need that. You need to balance yeah. uh, time for rest with uh, time for work. Yeah. How about you, Mandy? I mean, I would say that it's probably everywhere all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, I think probably one of the most beautiful places it shows up is, you know, when you think about how many people come for shelter because they've burned all their other bridges Mm -hmm. or everyone's died. I mean, like they're alone for some reason. Yeah. And the loneliness and the isolation is such a huge piece of what's keeping them from being able to move forward. Mm -hmm. That being able to come in and... When you see certain people build community and start to open back up and start to trust and realize that there are good relationships to be had too, mm-hmm. um, you just see a different side of people. Like it, it is not uncommon to see people come in, takes about two weeks, and then the, who they truly are shows up. And mm. a lot of times it's just really beautiful and they just needed to be reminded that they were worth something. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. And, and in each of your answers, I hear that, you know, Christ is made known in, in community. You know, this, this concept, the body of Christ, that, that when we're together, there's, uh, th- there's some way in which we feel God's presence a little closer. And, uh, and it's beautiful. It is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Besides the the golf tournament, because that is coming up very soon, uh, what are other ways that people can support the community kitchen and Pathway Center? I think we both need volunteers. Volunteers is big. Um, we both need cook teams. Cook teams and um, financial support mm-hmm. at Pathways too. I mean, we have lots of different volunteer opportunities aside from cooking, um, so there's a lot of options there. Um, including going out and um, being the welcoming host for Holy Cow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that's a thing. Uh, so people understand it and yeah. know what we're trying to do there. Um, and financial gifts are always really helpful to keep us going. I, they really are. For sure. And all those in-kind gifts, too. I mean, like, we have some churches, I'm sure you do, too, who do, like, a coffee drive or mm-hmm. a supply drive every month or whatever. Those are really helpful as well. If it's all right with you, I'll share contact information for, for each of you uh, when I post this. And um, if you have any other links or things that you want me to post, I'd be happy to do that. Okay. Uh, any, any final thoughts to share? Well, Allison, Mandy, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. For Pastor Potluck, I'm Peter. Just Peter. Peace.